Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Nault here with another Ask Me Anything episode. This is audio pulled from my weekly Facebook Live, which you can catch every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central at facebook.com slash the Clovis culture. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Each and every review counts. It really, really helps, and it means the world to me. Thank you so much. As always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis, and I am in the business of impacting people's lives for the better. I have helped over 500 people just like you transform their health and wellness, and I want to work with you. To prove it, I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial, which will give you full-blown access to all of the members-only content that Clovis has to offer, free for a full seven days. Just visit IamClovis.com slash start, S-T-A-R-T, IamClovis.com slash start. You will find some videos of yours truly, and you will find some incredible testimonies from some of my Clovis clients. You will be shocked by the unbelievable stories that these brave individuals have to tell. Stories of full-blown life transformation. 50 pounds in 8 weeks, 40 pounds in 60 days, 21 pounds in 19 days, 100 pounds in 6 months. You name it, I've got somebody that's done it. Check out IamClovis.com start and get started with your free trial today. If you'd like to check out my physical products, I am offering you a very special deal on the Perfect Paleo Powder, 30% off your first purchase. In fact, that 30% discount will be applied to your entire cart for your first purchase at IamClovis.com. Head over to IamClovis.com, check out the Perfect Paleo Powder and all the other products that I have available, and you will get 30% off your first purchase. Just use promo code Perfect podcast, all one word, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Perfect podcast, all one word. Apply this discount code at checkout and you will receive 30% off your entire first order. Just visit IamClovis.com to grab this special deal. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? It's Justin. Welcome to Live Ask Me Anything, number 60. I made it. A couple minutes late. Uh, let's make sure the video's working. Hold on. I got my split screen set up. I think it might be a little bit bright, but I'm not sure. I got to look at the video real quick. Okay. It says I'm live. Click for more. Let's see. There I am. I see myself. Beautiful. Ooh. We have, oh, sound on. Okay. Let me turn that sound off. Board looks good. Writing will be good. Let me move this a little bit because I can't see your comments. And I need to see your comments. I gotta do a balancing act with this laptop. Sorry if it gets in the way. Let's see here. Turn that a little bit. Whoops. Hold on, guys. I'm a mess right now. Okay, that should be good. My monitor turned off. Whatever. All right, I got GarageBand going, recording for the podcast. This is open. What's up, Caitlin? What's up, Justin? What's up, Christine? What's up, Jody? What's up, everybody? Joe, John, what's up, John? How you doing, man? All right, let me get this out of your way. Let's see. Sorry, guys. Soil time. Justin Bradley, correct. It is soil time, 100%. We're going to talk a boatload about soil because it's super important. Beyond important, it's everything. Literally everything. That's why I want to do an episode on it. I don't know why I haven't thought to do an episode on this earlier because it's that important. Because 
through soil, we can remove a lot of the dogma surrounding diet, nutrition, and some of the, well, really some of the, some of the dogmatic diets, like vegetarians, vegans, all that. Now we're going to jump into that in a second. Um, I'm going to borrow a lot of information tonight from uh, Kristen Olson, another guy named Roger Brown, um, who was introduced to me by Diana Rogers. You guys know Diana Rogers. I adore her, talk about her all the time. And um, she introduced me to this incredible video. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Gabe Brown is his name. Gabe Brown. I don't know where I got Roger from. Gabe Brown. So I'm going to link out to all these things in the show notes. You're going to have a lot of stuff to research. Do your own research, okay? I assure you, Doing your own research is always the best way to do this because then if you don't, you're just somebody parroting another online influencer, AKA me. So I get mad at the vegans who just spout nonsense that they heard somebody else say. So don't be another person that just gets out there and spouts what somebody else has said. Dissect this stuff yourself. I've been working on this all day, literally sun up to today. Now I've already researched this stuff in the past, right? I've read books about it. I've watched presentations on it. I've been in person with Diana Rogers about it. I've spoken to Applegate about it. I've spoken to Epic about it. I've spoken to lots of people through Diana Rogers, these people that I've met talking about regenerative, regenerative agriculture. So I've been in this space for a while now. I'm the, a huge financial backer in two different documentaries on regenerative agriculture. And I still spend all day today going back over my own research to make sure that I get this right for you guys, okay? That's how you should handle things before you form an opinion on something, okay? It's gonna be fantastic. So I'm gonna give you guys a lot of data, try to do it in an hour, we're gonna see what happens and I'm gonna open it up for questions because I really wanna take questions on this and any other questions you may have because Clovis is exploding and I'm doing a crazy amount of custom nutrition plans all the time and I know there's a lot of new people here and I wanna answer all your questions. I'm gonna do the best I can, okay? Um, so let's see here. Yep, I got a haircut, 100% today. It was wonderful. I think I lost 10 pounds. Uh, not really, because I'm doing mass gains and I gained like three pounds the first day. It's ridiculous. Okay, so um, for those of you that don't know, you probably know if you're here by now, we're 60 weeks in. This is 60 weeks of my Facebook Live Ask Me Anything. I do this every week on Wednesdays and it's literally just an Ask Me Anything. My name is Justin Nault. I am the CEO and founder of Clovis. I am a certified nutritional therapist, certified specialist in sports nutrition, certified specialist in fitness nutrition, and I work with clients. I get them healthy one-on-one. -on -one. I make custom nutrition plans. I do all the things, and I have the Perfect Paleo podcast where you will also hear this in audio form after this Facebook Live. So since we got, what, uh, a little less than an hour left, I'm going to jump right in. This is AMA number 60. Now, I borrowed the name of this AMA from a book called The Soil Will Save Us by a woman named Kristen Olson. It is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. I think most of us have little to no understanding of how the ground beneath us even works or where our food comes from. So it's very, very important. I highly recommend that you get your hands on that book. I'm gonna link out to it in the show notes. Like I said, any of the resources I grab today and talk about, I will have them for you in the show notes at clovis.show. You can go to clovis.show and see all my previous AMAs. You can see all my podcast interviews with guys like Rob Wolf. You can see the podcast interviews with Diana Rogers, the interview with CJ Hunt, all talking about regenerative agriculture. This is very, very important. Now, the reason I decided to do this episode was to try my damnedest once and for all to shut down this argument of whether or not fruit is a health food. Is it healthier than other foods on planet Earth? Yes. Is it the health food that you have been led to believe it is? No. 
Not at all. So I was thinking about it before going into this and I was like, I'm going to teach them all about soil. I'm going to teach them how soil works. I'm going to teach them about monocropping. I'm going to teach them about animals and ecosystems. I'm going to teach them about all these things. And then I'm going to tell them how that applies to fruit. And part of the reason I'm a little bit late to this is because just before I went live, I decided to completely change that approach, flip it on its head and give you the fruit argument right off the bat. Okay. So in this episode, you're going to learn from me. I'm just going to give you a summary. You're going to learn why I say fruit is not a health food. You're going to learn why I personally eat loads of vegetables and virtually zero fruit ever, my personal diet. I'm going to tell you why it is so difficult to be a healthy, thriving vegetarian or vegan without a tremendous amount of intelligent supplementation. I'm going to literally teach you a, in a nutshell version of how soil works and how plants grow. I'm also going to teach you how monocropping is worse for the environment than farming animals will ever be, ever, not even close to comparable. And we're going to talk about how animals can save the world. Not a whole lot to ask from a guy in the 45 minutes we have less left. So let's jump in. Again, I was going to start with how things work and then move into the fruit argument, but I decided to switch that up. So we're going to start with the scary facts right off the bat. We're jumping in to the scary stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure I got a marker. I got my eraser. I'm good to go. Okay. Now again, I'm pulling data for this portion of the AMA from an amazing presentation by a guy named Gabe Brown. And Gabe Brown is an expert in regenerative agriculture. He speaks all around the world on these issues. He is world renowned as an expert in this space, right? And there's a fantastic YouTube presentation that Diana Rogers sent to me and I'm going to share that with you in the show notes and I'm going to pull some of the cliff notes here from that presentation. Again, I'm going to link to a great book called The Soil Will Save Us, which is where I borrowed the name for this AMA from and that's a fantastic one as well. That'll be in the show notes. So the key takeaway tonight is the fact to remember all of the nutrients you consume in your daily diet come from soil, the soil beneath your feet. 100% of the nutrients that you get in your diet come from that soil, period, okay? Now, in the past 50 years, I'm telling you, we're jumping into the scary stuff right off the bat. In the past 50 years, the nutrient density of our food has decreased by anywhere from 15 to 65% depending on the food, okay? I repeat, in the past 50 years, my dad just turned 60. That's not a long amount of time, everybody. This is an ancient history. 50 years. The nutrient density of our food has decreased anywhere from 15 to 65% depending on the specific food. Let's jump in, okay? An average taken from 27 different kinds of vegetables, okay? So let's, uh, let's do this. Um, we'll do veggies and then we're gonna do meat, okay? I haven't planned this out. Sorry, bear with me. So we're going to do veggies and we're going to do meat. So the average taken from 27 different kinds of vegetables showed that copper has declined by 76%, has shown that calcium has declined by 46%, has shown that iron has declined by 27%, has shown that magnesium 
has declined by 24%. And that potassium has declined by 16%. Okay? Copper, calcium, iron, magnesium, potassium, all down by astronomical numbers in just the last 50 years alone. This is the average taken from 27 different kinds of vegetables. Okay? This is how bad the soil issue is getting. Now we're going to move into meat. Think about it. This is what I always try to tell vegans and vegetarians. There are certain foods we're not supposed to eat, like grass. Who can eat grass? Ruminants, right? These large grazing land animals can eat grass, their stomachs are designed to extract the micronutrients from that grass. We eat the animal and get the micronutrients from the animal. But because of the soil problems, this is even translating into the micronutrient density of the meat that we eat. In meat, copper is down 24%. Calcium is down by 41%. Iron is down by 54%. Magnesium is down by 10%. Potassium is down by 16%. Something's on me. Ridiculous, okay? So we have meat, vegetables. This is an average of 27 different kinds of vegetables. This is an average of 10 different types of meats and the micronutrients that have declined in them significantly over just the last 50 years, okay? Now this is compared, we're gonna compare food from the year 1940. Now this may get interfered by the ring light, but uh, we're gonna try this. I'm gonna run out of room here. I'm gonna have to erase at some point, right? Compared to food in the year 1940, okay? So we'll say 1940 versus 2019, okay? The year 1940 versus the year 2019. To match the macronutrients found in food in 1940, in the year 2019, a human being would have to consume twice as much meat, three times as much fruit, four times as many vegetables. Okay? This is astronomically more than doubling your entire food intake. More than two times the meat, more than three times the fruit, more than four times the vegetables would have to be consumed today in 2019 to match the micronutrient density of the food in the year 1940. Crazy, right? Absolutely crazy when you stop and think about it. Let's think for one second about these numbers that you're staring at the board. Do you understand the significance of these numbers? This is astronomical. It's absolutely terrifying. Okay. Now we look at these numbers and we're going to get into my favorite argument of all, what I call the big giant elephant in the room of Clovis. We're going to talk about fruit. Let me explain something to you. I am a thick skinned guy, right? Um, you guys hear me talk about ego and mindset and all these things all the time. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care. I put my content out and I do my thing. I live my life. I'm super happy, right? I have never, never gotten more hate online. I get more hate online for fruit than any other topic I have ever discussed ever. More hate than I ever got in my music career, more hate than I got when I talk about childhood nutrition. 
I've never gotten the amount of hate online that I get when I say fruit is not a health food. Period. It's the most astronomically nuclear topic I have ever touched on, right? I've literally made videos saying, following the dietary advice of the government will kill you. And people applaud and cheer. Yay, I like that Clovis guy. I don't like the government either. He's right. Then I will make a statement such as, fruit isn't as healthy as you think it is. And you would think that I drew a nasty picture of Muhammad or something and presented it at an airport in the Middle East. Like, you would think that I have done the most atrociously blasphemous thing you could possibly think of. People want blood. They say horrible things to me. They attack me personally. They attack my appearance. You should literally see these messages that I get. They're absurd. Absolutely absurd. Granted, none of these humans would ever say these things to my face. They're little computer keyboard warriors. I don't care. I'm just saying the attacks I get are astronomical. It's insane. It's like I'm attacking people's religion. All because I tell people fruit isn't as healthy as they think it is. And it's not, mind you. I'm telling the truth, right? Look above. You would have to eat three times as much fruit today to match the micronutrients found in fruit in just the year 1940, okay? Now, I think we can all agree as thinking human beings in the year 2019 that sugar is universally not a good idea in massive amounts for optimal human health. Now, by consuming three times more fruit to get the same micronutrients, you would also be consuming more than three times the sugar because fruit today has more fructose in it than it did in 1940. Less micronutrients, more than three times the sugar. It's a horrific trade-off for optimal human health, okay? Now, and again, this goes completely out the window if you're following a standard American diet, which is already 60% carbohydrates, and you want to add fruit to it because you think fruits and vegetables are both healthy. It's insane. Now, many people are going to say, but Justin, you eat pounds of vegetables every day. Aren't you being a hypocrite? Because according to your numbers, you'd have to eat four times as many vegetables to get the same micronutrients as vegetables in the 1940s. Why do you eat vegetables and not fruit? Let's dive in, okay? We're gonna jump into fruits versus veggies. Now, I'm gonna use the help of a graphic that I first published like a year ago on the Clovis Instagram. So I gotta make some room. So I was talking about how fruit may not be the health food you think it is. And my main concern here is that we separate fruits from vegetables. They're not the same fucking food group, okay? That's all I care about doing, separate the two. Now, if we directly compare 100 grams of banana to broccoli, okay? 100 grams of banana to broccoli. Broccoli wins hands down. Gram for gram, broccoli has three times more protein, 12 times more vitamin A, 10 times more potassium, one-fifth the net carbs, and one-sixth of the sugar. Broccoli wins hands down in every freaking category except one, potassium. Would you like to know by how much banana wins in potassium? If you're talking about the RDA for potassium every day, banana has a whopping 10% RDA potassium. 
Broccoli only has nine. Only has nine percent. Banana wins and potassium by one percent. It's a health food, everybody. They're the same food. Look, they're identical. Put them in the same freaking food group. Morons, okay? This is insane, everybody. So, let's continue. The reasons I choose broccoli over banana are clear, but the most important point is that yes, I would have to eat four times more veggies in the year 2019 to get the same micronutrients. And I'm totally cool with that. Why? Because I could eat six times more broccoli before matching the sugar content of the banana and I still get more micronutrients. Duh. It doesn't get any simpler than this. This is so simple that it's actually painful for me to do these videos at this point. It's literally painful. Now, okay, let's keep going. Let's play devil's advocate. Some people are gonna say, I cherry picked because I used a banana, which has an unusual amount of sugar for a fruit considering it's not an actual fruit that doesn't exist in nature, everybody. Literally doesn't exist without human intervention. It's not a real thing. It was made up, okay? So some will say, I cherry picked this by using a banana. So let's replace it. We're going to do another fruit that's loaded with micronutrients. We're going to compare 100 grams of blueberries, which are Clovis approved. They're allowed on my approved foods list. I'm a big fan of blueberries, okay? We're going to talk about blueberries. So let's do 100 grams of blueberries versus broccoli. Broccoli, gram for gram, has four times more protein four times more potassium, 12 times more vitamin A, nine times more vitamin C, three times more iron, five times more magnesium, half the net carbs, oh, and again, one-sixth the amount of sugar. I can again eat six times more broccoli before I ever touch the sugar content of a comparable amount of blueberries, everybody. What are we doing here, people? Are you even beginning to understand remotely why my argument of putting fruits and vegetables in the same category, removing them from the same category, separating them, and stop lying to people about fruit being as healthy as vegetables, does that seem absolutely ludicrous to you or does it seem pretty reasonable? Rhetorical question, like a dead serious question. Does that seem pretty reasonable to you? What are we doing? If you analyze this data and you tell me that fruit is as beneficial for human health as vegetables, you need to be checked for a severe learning disability. And people will go on to argue, well, blueberries are loaded with antioxidants. Yup, they are. That's why they're on the Clovis approved foods list. Do you know what food has even more antioxidants than blueberries? Dark chocolate. And I eat that shit every damn day. You can keep your fruit, thank you very much. Not buying it, don't care, can't change my mind. 
Now, in fairness, blueberries are loaded with antioxidants. I'm not picking on them, but I can't justify more than one to two servings per day for the sugar trade-off for the antioxidants. Now, that trade-off goes out the window, again, if you're a standard sedentary American eating 60% carbohydrates in your daily diet. Then you can't justify the trade-off, okay? That's the fruit debate. There you go. Game over. Mic drop. Game, set, match. Whatever. If somebody wants to come to my house and stand here with me and debate this with me, I'd be more than happy to do that. I have zero fear of this fruit debate. And I don't get emotional and hurl personal insults at people the way that they do on Instagram. It's ridiculous. Actually, I think I did call people morons in this episode already. So I got a little bit passionate, right? But I get attacked for this stuff every day. I mean, viciously attacked for something that is 100% common sense. 100% common sense, okay? Now, how do we get here? So the whole thing about all the micronutrients I already drew up here, all these things with the 1940 versus 2019. So let's go back to nutrient density so I can stop ranting about fruit for once in my life, okay? First, we're gonna talk about climate change because people think that climate change is a thing of modern man. It's simply not, right? We're talking about releasing carbon into the atmosphere. This has been happening for a very long time. In fact, since agriculture began, humans have been releasing carbon into the air and contributing to climate change. This began somewhere around 10,000 to 13,000 years ago. Now, again, you got to pick up the book, The Soil Will Save Us, because you can learn this stuff in depth. Now, the old images you see of farmers plowing the land with an animal, pulling the plow, whatever, they were disrupting soil and releasing trapped carbon in the soil into the air. So it enters the deep atmosphere at some point, right? Now, we just do that more efficiently now with machines. And yet, by polls, some 70% of farmers don't believe in climate change, period. So this is the only somewhat political statement I will make tonight. The side, whatever side, pushing towards climate change doesn't exist or man has no impact on it has absolutely got to stop, right? Uh, there's a bazillion ways in which we impact the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. And as long as scientists have been tracking, carbon dioxide has steadily climbed in the atmosphere. So forget about warming versus cooling, temperature, all these things. If you just track carbon dioxide in the air, it's been steadily climbing as long as scientists have been tracking it. But here's the really weird fact. These things like tilling up soil, releasing carbon into the air. A lot of farmers back in ancient times did crop burning. They would slash and burn their crops, all these things, right? This leads to things taking place like deforestation. However, we think that these are problems of modern man and our big scary machines. But of all the global deforestation that has taken place over the last 1,000 years, 75% of it occurred before the year 1850. Okay, the carbon footprint of our ancestors per person was actually greater than it is now per person. So think about it. Farmers back in the day just wanted to survive and not starve to death. So they did whatever it took to get more crops, higher yield of crops. They don't care about micronutrient density. They didn't know about micronutrient density. They just wanted a greater yield of crops. They had zero understanding of soil microbiology, which is what we're going to talk about here. It's not really their fault. They just didn't know, right? So early humans were so hard on the land that they literally created deserts out of what was once lush ecosystems. So an example of this is Libya. Libya had rich soils and an abundance of natural springs in the 5th century BC. Today, it is mostly desert, okay? Because humans just 
destroyed it with some of the practices we're gonna talk about, some of the practices that we still have going on today, just far more efficiently with machinery. So this is gonna be a really quick lesson on how soil works, okay? So let's see. All right, so let's say we have the ground, okay? So we have the ground, we have a plant, this is a plant, right? Plant has roots. I'm not a drawer, I'm not an illustrator, okay? Plant has roots, there's sunlight and sky. Everybody's happy, right? So here's what happens. Plants sequester carbon from the atmosphere. They sequester CO2, they also take in water, they also take in sunlight, right? So what they do is they take that, like CO2, they take H2O, right? Sunlight, boom. They do all this and through photosynthesis, turns those elements into sugars, carbohydrates. That's literally what happens, okay? So they create carbs. So they take the carbon, they sequester carbon from the atmosphere, and they create sugar out of it, literally. Carbohydrates, these plant molecules, are literally sugar. That's what we say. All carbohydrates are processed the same way in the body. They eventually turn to glucose, right? They're taking carbon out of the air, and they're creating sugar out of it. But here's what you don't see happening underground. Plants are deeply rooted, or should be deeply rooted, in an interconnected web of mycorrhizal fungi, okay? Literally, fungus, fungi, mushrooms. This is called mycorrhizal fungi, all throughout the ground, everywhere, right? It's a net, it's a web, it's this interconnected web of these mycorrhizal, uh, mycorrhizal fungi, right? All throughout the ground. Now this fungi, can connect plants with one another up to 250 yards away. It's like a big giant spider web of fungi. Everywhere beneath your feet is this mycorrhizal fungi. Everywhere, you're walking on it all the time. And they have a beneficial relationship with plants. So plants give away up to 40% of that carbon that they pull from the atmosphere in the form of these carbohydrates. They're giving it to the mycorrhizal fungi. They're literally feeding the mycorrhizal fungi. Now, why would they do this? They give away the carbon from the atmosphere to feed the fungi directly, sorry, and in return, the fungi actually penetrates the roots of the plant and feeds the plant. It feeds the plant's enzymes and micronutrients that the plant needs to grow and thrive, okay? It's crazy. These fungi literally penetrate into the roots of the plant and they feed them enzymes and micronutrients to grow the same way that human beings need enzymes and micronutrients to grow. It works the same way, right? It's a beneficial relationship between plants and fungi, okay? It's one of the most beautiful things you can imagine if you ask me, it's unbelievable. Scientists today estimate that over 80% of all the world's plants are wrapped up in this interconnected web of mycorrhizal fungi. Really unbelievable. Mushrooms are an incredible thing. It's almost like they're an alien species that are here to help us, right? So. Now we're going to talk about how monocropping, this is the part of the episode where the closed-minded vegans and vegetarians will probably turn me off and I'm cool with that, whatever. I only want the open-minded people. Monocropping, this is where you take a certain plot of land and create one crop, only one crop to live there, like a big giant cornfield you'd see here in Tennessee or whatever, right? So monocropping is literally nonstop killing. You have to kill everything in sight to create a monocrop. 
You have to kill weeds. You have to kill pests. You have to kill animals. You have to kill fungus. You have to kill bacteria. You have to destroy diversity and you have to destroy soil to make a monocrop happen. I want you to think about it this way. If you were to picture a healthy ecosystem in nature, right? Let's say you're in the deep woods on, in a mountain in Montana or something, right? Do you think you'd ever be walking through nature that has not been touched by man and stumble upon 1,000 acres of perfectly spaced rows of corn and nothing else? Never. That would never happen. You would never find it in nature. It's about the most unnatural thing that has ever existed, okay? It's ridiculous. You'd never find that in nature. This is, again, common sense. We have to destroy virtually everything that is natural to create a monocrop. And how does nature respond to all the killing? Well, when there's a lack of diversity, something pops up from the ground. We call them weeds. Weeds are Mother Nature's band-aids. This is Mother Nature desperately crying because you're killing it, and it starts popping up weeds in hopes of bringing back diversity, because diversity is a very good thing in an ecosystem. So this is weeds popping up are literally Mother Nature trying to restore diversity for herself. Up come these new weeds, trying to create diversity, and what do the humans do? We spray them with Roundup. Glyphosate, everybody. And the vicious cycle begins. So lack of diversity leads to destruction of the soil, lower nutrient cycling from the mycorrhizal fungi to the plants, yields smaller crops, smaller volume of crops, right? which increases the use of synthetic fertilizer. Since the soil sucks, the farmers go buy it in the store and try to plop it on top of dead ground. Like, let's just lay a foot of this fertilizer, this pretend fertilizer mix, because our soil's dead so we can try to grow something in it, right? So what happens is the increase the use of synthetic fertilizer, and this spurs the decline of more mycorrhizal fungi. The fungi are under the ground. Doesn't matter how much soil you put on top, the fungi under the ground is being starved out and it will start to die, which kills diversity, which means more weeds grow in a desperate attempt to restore diversity, which leads to herbicides being sprayed, glyphosate, Roundup, to kill those things. Now, an important note here, herbicides are chelators. If you guys have ever done any kind of heavy metal toxin detox or anything like that from the body, we talk about chelation therapy, right? So chelators literally bind to micronutrients and then they're no longer available to the plant. Namely, zinc, magnesium, manganese, iron, and copper. Let's think about a vegan slash vegetarian diet because oddly enough, calcium and iron both rank at the top of the list of common micronutrient deficiencies in vegans and vegetarians. Without those nutrients, the very nutrients that humans also need, the plants can't ward off diseases. Now, new fungi pop up, bad fungi. So we have to spray fungicides, also detrimental to soil biology and kills the good mycorrhizal fungi as well. Okay, so fungicides kill the good guys and the bad guys. Then we have bugs, bugs up here. Oh my God, pest, now we need pesticides. Now, this is a direct quote from Gabe Brown, who talks about the fact that there are only 3,000 insects in the world that will eat our crops and hurt our livestock. For each one of those pests, there are around 3,000 beneficial insects. We don't even have names for most of them yet. Spraying wipes out that whole insect community. 
including the enemies of those pests, predators, and prey. It's the circle of life, but pesticides kill them all, okay? Now, this pesticide spraying also leads to less pollinating insects, which leads to less crops overall. It's a horrifically vicious cycle. Like, this monocropping thing is absolutely insane. It's just destroying land. Anywhere where you have a monocrop for any period of time, you're going to kill an entire ecosystem. It's the most amount of death, chaos, and destruction you could possibly impart upon nature, okay? Now, this is a direct quote from the book, The Soil Will Save Us. Quote, by its very nature, conventional cropping is far greater in assault on the environment than herding animals. Plowing rips apart the crucial underground networks of fungi and shatters the soil aggregates that hold water and gases in the soil. The soil is no longer able to pull carbon from the atmosphere and hold it inside of itself, which would be fantastic for that pesky thing called climate change. The plants could literally save us, if we did it right. And animals play a vital role in this. Someone please tell that to the vegans. All of this death and destruction is required for monocropping the world's most popular crops. The most popular food crops being corn, fruits, the magical health food that everybody needs in abundance, corn, fruit, rice, nuts, and soy, which are also staples of the vegan vegetarian diet. They require monocropping and a tremendous amount of death and ecosystem destruction. Yet these people will scream from the rooftops that their lifestyle is good for the environment. I want you to think about this episode each and every time you hear a vegan make such an absurd claim. An absurdly false claim. Okay? Ridiculous. It's nuts. See how much time I got. 8.42. Okay. I want to have time for questions, so I'm just going to run through this, and then we're going to see how you guys are feeling, okay? So the question becomes, what can we do about this? And I want to talk briefly about the Savory Institute. So the Savory Institute was founded by a guy named Clifford Savory. Clifford is a Zimbabwean ecologist, studies ecosystems, and a regenerative agriculture farmer, okay? Now, this organization helps heal areas of land thought of as completely dead, Something like you would see in Libya, right? A desert or just really horrible topsoil or dusty topsoil that's been blown away. So they have this method for healing the entire ecosystem and bringing land back to life that was previously thought to be unable to sustain life. Not sustainable agriculture, regenerative agriculture. They literally regenerate the ecosystem and make it lush and thriving. They make the soil more nutrient dense, the crops they grow, the, the roots go down deep 12, 15 feet. You're never going to see a monocrop anywhere. There's tons of microbial diversity, tons of animal diversity, tons of plant diversity. Looks a little bit messier. Doesn't look like your neat rows of corn. That don't, It actually looks like nature on a farm, right? That is how they bring the land back to life. They have a method for healing the land. How do they do this? Well, they do it with the systematic use of large grazing cattle. Ruminants, everybody. Animals. The very thing that vegans and vegetarians swear are destroying the environment from burping or farting or something. Insanity, right? 
Those numbers are wildly exaggerated, by the way. It's ridiculous. It doesn't even, carbon emissions from animals doesn't even come close to other things that humans do, like transportation. It's not even close. If you removed all animals from all ecosystems, it would barely make a freaking dent in the carbon emissions of human beings, okay? That stuff is vastly, vastly exaggerated everywhere you read about it, okay? So, they use the systematic use of herding ruminants from area to area where they eat the grass, they urinate, they spread manure, they stomp it into the ground, they do all these things that bring the diversity, the, micro, the microbial diversity back to life. Their urine is rich in nitrogen. Human beings, we release nitrogen in our urine, right? Urine from animals goes into the soil. Nitrogen is very important for some of these processes that we've talked about, okay? So, how effective are the methods of the Savory Institute at bringing land back to life? Or, in other terms, helping the environment, okay? Think about the vegan, vegetarian propaganda that you've been getting fed. The Eat Lancet study, the remove meat from the global ecosystem, but all this bullshit that you've been fed, okay? How effective is their method at bringing land back to life? Well, something to remember the next time you see an argument about cattle being bad. Sir Richard Branson has issued a $25 million challenge to anyone who discovers the best way to remove carbon from the atmosphere. Okay? $25 million to anyone who can discover the best way to remove carbon from the atmosphere. The Savory Institute is one of just 11 finalists globally who may have discovered the best way to remove carbon from the atmosphere. It's called a healthy ecosystem. It's called restoring nature, regenerative agriculture. In layman's terms, large grazing ruminants, herded cattle, can literally help reverse climate change. What? Think about what I just said to you. Think about everything that you're told every day from the vegans and vegetarians about fruit and animals and the environment and I do yoga, right? All these people. Think about it for a second. What did I just tell you? They're one of just 11 finalists, close to winning a $25 million prize awarded to anyone who can come up with the best way to sequester carbon from the atmosphere. The number one problem of climate change that everyone's screaming about, save the environment. Animals are the answer, everybody. What are we doing? This is insane. This is, and, and, and the thing is, all of this, all of this, all this information I just spit at you is 100% available to the general public. And anybody who analyzes it and tells you that it's not true is simply being dishonest. It's crazy. We have this Eat Lancet study. Let's remove meat. We want to eat less meat, right? Well, guess what? The macronutrients of these new Eat Lancet guidelines are the exact mac macronutrients that we use in lab mice to make them obese. Identical. So we do lab tests on mice because they share 99% of our DNA. They're very close to being like a human. So we do nutrition testing on them. And we take these macronutrients when we want them to be obese, 
we give them these macronutrients, fat, protein, and carbohydrates. Now the Eat Lancet study comes out and says, we think the optimal macronutrients for perfect human health are the same macronutrients that we use to create obese mice. Ladies and gentlemen, do we live in the twilight zone? What are we doing? Like Elon Musk is right, this has to be a simulation. Life must be a simulation because nothing could possibly be this fucking stupid. This is ridiculous. It's insane, right? I don't know what we're doing. So I'm gonna end on this note. This is why Clovis has donated $100,000 to Diana Rogers and her upcoming docu-series called Sacred Cow, which will be literally a docu-series exposing how regenerative agriculture can save the world. Now, I will put a link in the show notes, and I hope that you will consider doing the same and donating to Sacred Cow and helping Diana in any way possible and standing by what you believe in, standing behind what you believe in, which is what I do, which is what Clovis is all about. I'll include a note, a link in the show notes for you to do the same. Also, this is why Clovis has donated an additional $50,000 to CJ Hunt and his investigative documentary called Dispelling the Lies, which is literally debunking all of the nonsense vegan and vegetarian propaganda that has been fed to you that is complete nonsense and manipulated data. Another 50 grand right there. Two documentary projects because it's important. $150,000 donated, okay? I hope you guys will consider $5, $2, $10, $100, a million dollars. However you're doing in life, I really, really would like to see both of these projects get funded completely so we can set the record straight, okay? Again, I will include a link in the show notes and you can donate to both of those film products. We have to debunk this stuff. All right, let's jump into questions, everybody. That one was like a marathon. This is, oh man, it's like talking about childhood nutrition. I get really worked up, all right? Is the problem money and special interest? This seems obvious. Yes, 100%, 100%. It's money, special interest, it's also lies because these lies penetrate deep, right? And then you have people like, some of the biggest vegan propagandists in the world right now are James Cameron and Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, you guys, these guys have endless hundreds of millions of dollars. It's, it's just absurd, right? It's simply a matter of numbers and money because right now it's trendy and cool to be the vegan yogi who doesn't hurt any animals. Oh no, don't kill the things with a face, right? It's, it's cool and hip and trendy. People want to jump on that train, but you have to remember this, right? So the average person that comes to you and says, I'm a vegan, all the science says, I want you guys to go back and watch all of my AMAs, all right? So watch all my AMAs and look at the research that I do. When your cousin Susie the vegan says all of the science points to this, she has not researched the science, I assure you. Now, let's be honest with ourselves as humans. Most of you don't own a Clovis. There's not a whole lot of reason for you to do the kind of research that I do. I get that, that's not your fault. This is just a position that I'm in and I'm a horrifically curious person. It's like a disease. I can't help it. I have to research all the time, right? I've been researching these things for years and years and years, okay? So, but you have to think about yourself. When was the last time if you didn't want to lose weight, so let's remove weight loss from the equation or remove being assigned a topic in a school classroom or something for your career. When was the last time that you genuinely took interest in a topic and went and scoured the scientific literature? When was the last time you did it for more than I don't know, 30 minutes, 
right? You have to understand that most of the people who are telling you that they're bringing you science, they read a BuzzFeed article from Freely the Banana Girl, and they decided that they've done research. I run into this all the time with people that I genuinely care about. They're like, oh yeah, I, I did this research. What was the research? Please show me. And they can't because they can't remember. Well, I read this thing one time. It was on Judy's Facebook page and it was a really good article. Well, who's Judy? Well, Judy's my vegan yoga instructor. And it was like a really good article and she shared, she might've wrote it actually. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I researched it. Science. Ha <laughs> ha. That's literally what most of you are dealing with and you know it. Let's, we need to start being honest with ourselves, everybody. There are bigger and brighter minds than me researching this stuff and I just cited some of them here. Okay? So we have to be honest about this. But it is, it's, it's 100% money. It's money, it's lobbying, it's absurd, right? Think about it. $27 billion a year subsidized just for corn. Just for corn. American taxpayers pay $27 billion a year just for corn subsidies. How hard do you think it's going to be to disrupt that kind of money in the political machine? It's insane. Why do we not have a cure for diabetes? Type 2 diabetes, which we know is reversible through lifestyle intervention. Well, we spend $324 billion a year on it. Yes, it's a money game to answer, answer your question. Um, I love yoga, by the way. I'm not crapping on yoga. I absolutely love yoga. It just happens to go hand in hand with the vegans, right? The scariest thing, dad, what's up, dad? The scariest thing is the brainless politicians are actually trying to pass laws that will require thinning of animal herds and force a vegetarian diet on society, most likely starting with our kids in public schools. Yes, this is getting really hairy too because um, people are attacking Diana Rogers right now because she said that vegan diets have killed kids, which is true. Okay, so we're not going to go crazy here, but this idea of like a vegan mom breastfeeding, that's really, really not a safe thing to do. And if you say anything other than that, you're simply being dishonest. So it's really, really scary here. Um, so does it matter what land these grass-fed animals are eating from? All around me, they have gas wells and fracking. Don't know anything about this, but could it affect the meat? Yeah, 100%. That's what's really scary. Um, it's tough because th there's been issues where you'll have a farmer that switches to regenerative agriculture, but the farm down the street is has a plane that's crop dusting pesticides and herbicides, and of course it's floating around the air, and the regenerative farmers get really pissed off, you know? So unfortunately, we have to share land with humans who aren't as bright as we might be. It's really, really tough, really difficult, okay? Um, what else we got? Ah, Judy. I'm sorry, Judy. I just happened to use the name Judy. <laughs> sorry, I always tell stories. being ridiculous. Judy's biased opinion article, that's science. Yes. The emotional argument is literally the only one, 100%. That's, I, had a, I had a conversation with a Clovis member today who was arguing with somebody close to them. And it's just, the argument was 100% emotional. So the question becomes, hey, Justin, what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? And I go, you can walk away from that conversation and never have it with that person again. Because it's simply not going to happen. Emotional arguments, you never, you're, you can't do it, right? They're just going to dig their heels in. What else we got? I do yoga. Yeah, me too. I like it. Wow, I leave and come back and you've created some art. This is pretty solid art. I would say my mycorrhizal fungi is spot on accurate, right? Pretty crazy. It's nuts, guys. Mushrooms are an alien species. They're, they, they have the characteristics of both plants and animals. It's really weird. Let me blow your mind real quick. Okay, so you, let's say you have an oil spill right? There's a certain, ah, I'm not going to know off the top of my head, but there's a certain species of mushroom 
that you could literally just like throw all these mushrooms into the oil spill and they will soak up all of the oil and they'll turn really black. And some period of time later, the mushrooms will go back to white and they will be perfectly safe for human consumption. I'm just gonna let that float there in the air for a second. What? These are literally alien creatures. It's unbelievable. They can connect plants 250 yards away from each other. What? This is nuts. It's really crazy, you guys. This is literally how plants communicate with each other. So here's another crazy thing. If you have rows of plants, right? I don't know why I'm going down this rabbit hole because this is like some plant medicine stuff, but let's say we have these plants and these are acacia bushes because acacias are really well known for this. So you have this row of plants and a, and a giraffe comes along, okay? Ooh, look at that giraffe. That's a big giraffe, okay? And the giraffe starts eating the plant, right? So the giraffe starts eating this plant. The plant will utilize its underground connected network and it will send signals to the roots of the other plants. It will literally speak to the other plants. It will communicate with them and it will say, there's a predator right here and the predator is eating me. Now, this predator might eat this entire plant. By the time he moves on to the next plant, this plant will have changed its biochemistry and will have secreted certain things within its leaves that make it bitter and unappetizing to this predator. And the predator will take one bite and turn around and walk away because it's gross. What? How absurd is that, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you learned something here tonight. And they communicate through this entire underground network that we can't see and we think is nothing. It's billions of bacteria. You could go on the side of the highway and take a tablespoon of dirt and there'll be some six billion different living creatures within that tablespoon of dirt. It's insane. It's insane what goes on beyond underneath our feet. We have no idea. So anyway, just to break your brain with some mushrooms and plant medicine talk, there you go. What else we got here? Really cool. Lectins. Yeah, what about lectins, lovely? They're in a boatload of plants. And I tell you which ones to avoid. Humans did not evolve to eat all plants. Not all plants are your friend. Now, the same way they do this with these creatures, that's the same thing. It's basically releasing lectins into its plants, into its leaves, right? It does the same thing with humans. Certain plants destroy the health of our gut. They do it on purpose because you think humans would be smart enough to not go back and keep eating the same thing that destroys the lining of our gut, but yet we continue to do it, right? I've talked about it before when you're eating super hot peppers and there's snots running down your face and you're crying and you keep eating the chicken wings like a dummy. Like natural selection. I don't know what to tell you. It's crazy, right? That's what I was referring to. Yes, lectins. You and Jackson are probably artistic peers. That's my nephew. And he probably draws way better than I do because that giraffe has a hematoma on its head. It's probably going to die soon. Just poor giraffe. When it dies, I'm going to eat it though. So it won't go to waste. It's no big deal. All right, what else we got? Shrooms, man. Mmm, shrooms. We can talk all about shrooms if you want to. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I had no experience with these things. John, what's up? Uh, what are your thoughts on the damage being done by these massive industrial meat farms? Seen a few documentaries and scary the destruction these farms are causing. And don't get me started on how the animals are treated. Yes, 100%. So I want to be clear about something. Everything that I have talked about tonight is... Regenerative agriculture. This is the systematic and carefully controlled herding of free-range, pasture-raised, grass-fed, grass-finished animals. This is what I'm talking about. 
Feedlots and CAFOs are a huge problem. They are a huge problem. Now, I would actually argue that monocropping is worse because it does less damage to the entire ecosystem as a whole. A lot of times these feedlots and stuff are really taking place on a landmass of cement or something. It's like putting a house down. Like we put up structures for sure, you know, but that's different than like thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of a monocrop, right? I think it's some like 46% of America's landmass is devoted to monocropping. It's really, really scary. Feedlots don't have that big of an, an impact on the ecosystem, but they're still terrible. We don't want these feedlot CAFO farming. The answer to our problems with nature is regenerative agriculture. It's not status quo. I only eat, you guys know this about me, I eat 100% grass-fed, grass-finished grass meat from a farmer that we know personally. Me and my whole family, we get meat from the same farmer. So yes, I absolutely think feedlot and CAFO are a problem. I think monocropping is a bigger problem, but they are both problems. We need to try to get both of them out of the food system for sure. And we need to replace it with regenerative agriculture. Okay. Did you read this somewhere? I'd love to read the articles. Charles. Oh yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, Sam, just, just look up Eat Lancet. Um, E-A-T-L-A-N-C-E-T. Eat Lancet is literally right now a global push to remove animal products from the global dietary guidelines. These are the macronutrients of the obesogenic mice versus like human beings, the Eat Lancet guidelines being identical. The Eat Lancet global initiative is to remove animals. And they literally are starting to implement public school vegetarianism. This is a very real thing, okay? They are literally, they're showing these ridiculous, like what the health type films that you can destroy the so-called cited science that's complete lies. You can obliterate it in 10 minutes of research. They show these films in schools, right? In public schools. Diana Rogers is having to go from public school to public school and give lectures and correct all these facts, quote unquote facts, that they've already spit into the face of all these kids. It's indoctrination at its finest. The 2019 scariest problem is not the food pyramid. It's these new dietary global guidelines. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable, right? What else we got? Let's see here. Oh, natural sugars were way up there. Okay, let's see. I mean, not that what they're feeding them now is great, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. So you have to understand too, like when you think about if we make a shift in public schools to vegan vegetarian, how many people understand nutrition the way that I do or the way that you do, Sam, since you've digested all of this Clovis content for 60 plus weeks? You know, in your day-to-day -day life, you meet very few people that actually know what they're talking about in nutrition. So what happens when you really say the new global guidelines are to eat as little meat as possible and as much plants as possible? Well, what happens? Your, your average, you know, elementary school public teacher with no nutrition education, because that's not what she went to school for and she doesn't really care, that's not her expertise, is saying, okay, I'm just not gonna give them meat. Well, that peanut butter and jelly sandwich is totally fine. And that banana is totally fine. And these whole grain goldfish are fine. And these whole grain peanut butter crackers are fine. And these gummy worms are fine because it's not meat, right? That's what's going to, that's what people forget is when I tell a Clovis person, hey, stop eating meat, your brain's gonna go, oh, I can still eat broccoli, I can eat asparagus, I can eat sweet potatoes, I can maybe eat eggs, depending, some vegetarians do. I wonder if I can eat fish, maybe I can eat fish. You start thinking Clovis. That's not what the average person does. The average person thinks convenience. 
We are now programmed to think Clovis. The average person is programmed to think convenience. What's the quickest thing that I can shove in this kid's mouth because he's whining about being hungry? It's probably going to be a hostess cake or a goldfish or fun dip candy, right? So that's what you have to think about. That's what we're really up against is they're eating horrifically now, yes, because of the food pyramid and the my plate and all that nonsense. But it's only going to get worse if meat is no longer even an option, right? We remove one of the healthiest options available to them. It's insane. Things get way, way worse. I saw a school nurse pushing pizza the other day, so it can really only go downhill from there. Yeah, it's insane. The kosher preschool I worked at in Nashville was no meat, no dairy, no nuts, no eggs. Welcome to sun butter and rice cake sandwiches for two-year-olds. Oh, and goldfish. Yeah, talk about micronutrient deficiency and lack of brain development. I just thought about it for a second and was like, wait, is that lack of brain development in the children or the grown-ups feeding them? Hmm. We may never know. It's just ridiculous, everybody. It's, it's really, really scary. Uh, good grief, I'm losing all faith in the general population. Yeah. It's kind of how I feel sometimes, right? I, uh, it gets tough. It gets tough. But at the end of the day, remember, Clovis is growing at a record clip. It's unbelievable how fast Clovis is growing. That's thanks to you guys. By the way... Um, all right, it's 9.05. If you're a member of I Am Clovis, I'm actually going to, when I get off of this AMA, I'm going to go live again inside of the private I Am Clovis group. Um, and I need to talk to you guys about something I think is very important. Something else I wanted to share with you. Um, I'm going to give you this. So there is a doctor named Dr. Zach Bush. Um, you guys may know Zach Bush if you have ever used any Restore for Life products. They have the uh, Magic Dirt they have uh, magic dirt water. They have restore for life and all these things, right? Um, it's really, really cool. So Zach Bush talks a lot about the density of uh, the nutrient density of soil. So he talks about how literally in day-to-day -day life, the number one way that we can improve the health of America is to improve nutrient density per gram. Now, as you guys know, the Clovis approved foods list is hand selected by me for maximum micronutrient density per gram, macro and micro. So just nutrient density in general. The way we get the country healthy is to increase nutrient density. Now, all these foods that we're talking about here, goldfish, crackers, rice cakes, all these things, they're void of virtually any nutrients. We need to increase nutrient density. Now, Dr. Zach Bush is really brilliant, talks a lot about the gut microbiome, but he talks specifically about glyphosate. And there is a product that he that I use that he has called Restore for Life. If any of you have ever done my leaky gut protocol, you know that Restore for Life is on there. So what I've done is I have made a personal conversation uh, connection with Restore for Life, and I've worked out a really cool deal for you guys. Um, now this is going to be part of this week's in case you missed it. That in case you missed it newsletter, I'm going to have a really significant discount on Restore for Life products this week. Now, I'm not going to give that to you here, but what I will give you is, um, let me grab this real quick. In case, okay, so I'm going to give you guys a link, right? So if you follow this link right now and you fill out your information and sign up for the In Case You Missed It newsletter, then this coming Friday, when I do the In Case You Missed It Instagram Live and when I send out a recap of this episode, if you follow that link and you fill out your name and email, you're going to be subscribed to that in case you missed a newsletter and the deal for Restore for Life and all of Restore for Life's other products are going to be in that email. And it's really important because I actually heard Ben Greenfield say this once. He said, as long as glyphosate exists, I'm going to take Restore for Life. Um, so anyway, 
just want to throw that out there. It's a, I think that it's a really good product. I take it virtually every single day unless I'm out of it. I'm on a subscription for it, so I really run it, rarely run out. Um, but Restore for Life is just a great product to kind of cover your bases because we know we're getting pesticides and herbicides. Not all of us can eat 100% organic 100% of the time. And as we know with the USDA, there's actually no guidelines for grass-fed label claims. So we don't really know how organic works either. So you just really need to be careful. There's a ton of stuff floating around in the environment, in the water, in your foods and your crops and everything. So worked out this deal. I just talked to Restore for Life today. Actually, I've been talking to them for a couple of weeks. Talked to them today. They know about this episode. They know about this coupon code that's gonna go out this coming Friday and in case you missed it, they're super pumped about it. I told them that Clovis would get on there and buy 1,500 bottles of their product. So get on there and kick some ass for me, you guys. The more we do this stuff, the more I can get you deals on other products, right? Or, or deals on these products and keep this thing going. They wanna see what we're made of, okay? Oh, need. I'm halfway to my handful of pills each morning. Yeah, I think I'm at like 40. I think I'm doing four, about 40 pills a day right now. Um, what else we got? Some studies say the number one deciding factor of food choices is cost than convenience. Yes, 100%. That's true. And that's been studied uh, particularly in the case of food stamps. So the number one food stamps purchase on planet Earth uh, is actually soda. Um, I think it's $24 billion a year or whatever. And I mean, that's, that's supply and demand. There's a reason why you can get a two liter... RC Cola for 69 cents and you know if you were getting a gallon of whole milk or something it's going to be literally probably five to ten times the amount that I don't know the math right but um I mean really that's that's really what it is it's all convenience that's why any anytime you see somebody you know generally speaking this is not not a fair thing to say I don't mean this in a detrimental way or or a uh, insulting way or anything but you'll see these food stamps people shopping and I mean it tends to be soda and chips and sugary cereal and skim milk and all these things right they just they grab the cheapest things that they can possibly get which makes sense if they're only getting allotted a particular amount of money and this gets into food deserts and some people that literally their grocery the only grocery store they have available to them is a gas station uh, this happens all around the country guys and the thing that people don't realize is all this eat lancet push and all these things it's just going to decrease the nutrient density for the poorest people in the country right um I don't know how else to say it, but like people like me, I'm going to keep buying grass-fed beef, right? This isn't going to affect me that much. Um, all of these new government guidelines and all these things that they think they're trying to help people, they're going to hurt the people who need our help the most. Um, so again, I'm not going to get political here, but the poorest of the poor are going to be hurt more than anybody else for these Eat Lancet dietary guidelines and all the same usual uh, people are going to keep making billions and billions and billions of dollars while those people suffer. Um, it's really messed up. So anyway, yeah, let's move on to that. I can't click or copy the link. Um, then I then I feel you're doing something wrong, Lily, because I can click it right now. Not sure what's going on there. Are you on your phone maybe? Or I'm on desktop, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just clicked it and it opened a new tab. So it's good to go. What else we got? Anybody else? Any questions? You guys have any questions? Anything besides this? Anything you want to chat about? Um, other things? Anybody else having trouble with the link? Click the link, take you there. Here in Alaska, Clovis Foods are easily two times the cost they were in New York, but McDonald's dollar menu is the same everywhere. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, I remember the first time I traveled to Europe, certain things like when I was uh, in, in Iceland, like one avocado was like $4.50 in Iceland. When I got to Thailand, the same thing, grass-fed beef was like $10 a pound. An avocado was like, I think around $4 in Thailand. Coconut oil, a little thing of coconut oil was like $17 US. I mean, I can get a whole meal in Thailand for less than one US dollar. It's unbelievable. It's, it's really, really tricky, right? 
But again, it's supply and demand. If the whole world instantaneously switched and said, I will buy nothing but grass-finished beef, then trust me, all these big giant food companies would make the switch overnight. You'd be baffled by the efficiency at which they would make this switch. It'd be incredible. What else we got? Uh, we have a local farm growing organic plants, mainly herbs, I think, in dark greenhouses, only using grow lights. Am I right in assuming that the nutrient density would not be the same? Well, it depends. So this is where you get into different types of UV lights. Um, there are, I mean, think about it. People have been doing marijuana grow houses forever. Marijuana, marijuana is, is usually grown indoors and they breed it and all these things to make it more potent than it's ever been. Um, so that's a little bit beyond my scope of expertise. But for instance, people ask me about tanning beds sometimes. There are beneficial UV lights. Um, you know, I have a lamp in my office that if it's the middle of winter and I don't want to go outside because it's five degrees outside or whatever, and I want sunlight on my skin, um, they have these lamps that mimic sunlight that you can reset your circadian rhythm and things like this. There is an awful lot of technology now, things like the juve light, infrared saunas, all that, that impact humans in a positive way. So I would imagine there is an immense amount of science that goes into those lights that they're using in dark grow houses. Um, worth looking into, but if I had to guess, they probably have it pretty well, pretty well figured out. Um, I think, generally speaking, all plants are going to grow better in a natural ecosystem. Um, but there are a lot of people who are, who are doing pretty well at creating these ecosystems. This is another issue with the science behind nutrient uh, density of the soil is 99% of the microorganisms that you would find in an ecosystem can't be grown in a lab. So like in the episode Bad Science where I talk about in vitro versus in vivo, like in vivo being in the body, in vitro being in a test tube, right? It's always going to be different. The second you remove a plant from the ecosystem, it's a different plant. It's a different plant than it was in the ecosystem. So this makes it really difficult to do scientific studies on the nutrient density of these soils and how the soil behaves and everything because you can really only study it in its natural ecosystem. So again, 99% of those microorganisms that we find under the ground here cannot be grown in a lab setting. Really, really interesting. Um, that's a really good question. So actually, to, to be honest, I don't know the answer to that. What else we got? Anybody else? It is 914. This one flew by. This is like straight up. I feel like I've been here for four minutes and this thing is done. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, I guess we can shut it down. If nobody has any questions, you guys get any questions about fat loss or any of those things that are super easy. Any super easy questions for me? <laughs> um, I saw a few questions come through on the form. You can go to ama.iamclovis.com, ama.iamclovis.com, and you can ask me questions. Those go directly to my email. Um, but again, I'm going to continue to mix it up and do these, um, do these like the free-for-all ask me anything, where so I really just go on and answer questions, and I'll take those submitted questions and everything. But sometimes when I really want to unpack something big like this, um, it ends up taking most of the episode time, which is okay because I'm going to keep doing this every week. So I'll get to all your questions and everything, I promise you. Remember, on that form, if you want me to respond directly to you, you have to leave your email. Um, a lot of you did anonymous questions, so I'll have to answer them on an AMA at some point. And again, we run out of time. I only have an hour for these things. I usually go over, but um, just trying to cram this all in. So I'm thinking that this was such a heavy topic that next week I'm probably just going to do like a free-for-all and just answer a bunch of questions from the newbies. Plus, I'm getting a boatload of custom plan signups every single day. It's really, Clovis has never been growing this fast, like in the history of Clovis. It's record growth across the board. So I know there are a lot of you that are newbies that need a lot of questions answered, and I really, really want to do that. Um, who is the hormone guy you told someone about talking? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Jackie, you nailed it, Chris Cresser. Um, look up Chris Cresser Healthy Baby. Um, if you just Google Chris Cresser Healthy Baby, you'll absolutely find it. Um, that he, He's the best, he's the best of the best. It's just like, 
IVF compares exactly nothing to the work that Chris Kresser does. I'm telling you, it's insane. Save your money. Um, all right. Anything else? Anybody else? Yeah, tag your friends. Awesome. That's great. Share this, guys. Click the share button. Share it on your timeline. This will be a podcast tomorrow. As you know, this will be AMA number 60. I can't believe that's 60 weeks in. This is just absurd, guys. Thank you so much for hanging with me for 60 whole weeks. That's crazy. I hope I'm still teaching you things. Um, kind of blows my mind that I bring new topics to the table every week. I don't know how I do that. Um, so I have to thank the universe or whoever is, is giving me these ideas and you guys who give me these ideas. The more you talk to me, the better because I find out exactly what needs to be brought up. Um, what was the name of that apple? Um, it was just a wild apple in Nepal. That's the, the, she's, she's referring to the differences in apples, like a golden delicious apple versus a wild apple in Nepal. Um, in the actual study, it was cited as a wild apple from Nepal. Um, so yeah, I mean, literally that's. <laughs> about as generic as it gets, wild apple from Nepal, but it was shown that a wild apple from Nepal had 47,500% more micronutrients than a regular golden delicious apple like you would find in America. So again, like these numbers we ran earlier, you'd have to eat 475 golden delicious apples to equal, equal the micronutrients of one wild apple from Nepal. It's insane, you guys. It's nature versus these monocropped bullshit frankenfoods, okay? Uh, thank you, lovely. I appreciate it. Um, do some searching. Yeah, for sure. All right, hormone guy, we're all good, all caught up. Thank you guys so much. Uh, let's shut it down. This is AMA number 60, The Soil Will Save Us. I'm gonna link out to these books. Please, please, please read The Soil Will Save Us. Check out the YouTube video that I'm going to post that is the presentation from uh, Gabe Brown. I believe, I hope I got his name right. I keep mixing up Brown. I think there were two Browns uh, in my research. I was looking at citations from both of them and I got really mixed up because a lot of times I'm going straight to PubMed studies and all these things. So I save... I save PubMed studies and Google Scholar articles and all these things in my Evernote and I go through them. Like even if they were six months ago, I go refresh my brain. Like, oh, okay, well, like we're talking about soil nutrient density. So I got to go back over these PubMed studies. It's insane, you guys. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to make these AMAs happen. Um, so I get mixed up sometimes. I hope I didn't mess up his name. But anyway, it will all be correct in the show notes, I assure you, because the show notes are usually uh, the links and resources that I do. Those are like always correct and really vetted and I make sure the links work and everything. So awesome. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Lovely. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Sean. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. AMA number 60, The Soil Will Save Us. Live, Ask Me Anything with me. Justin Nault. If you want to work with me one-on-one, as always, go to IamClovis.com slash start. IamClovis.com slash start. Now, I'm going to duck off here, and I'm going to go live in I Am Clovis. If you're a member of I Am Clovis, jump into that group right now. I'm going to go live. I'm just going to ask you a question, okay? So thank you guys so much. If you're not in the I Am Clovis group, go to IamClovis.com slash start and join real quick, and I'll accept you, and then we can talk here in a minute, okay? I'm going to see if anybody shows up. If not a lot of people are there to answer the question that I have, I'll jump in there live tomorrow and make it happen. I just want to talk to you guys. All right. Thank you guys so much. Live Ask Me Anything number 60. I appreciate it. Check the podcast, Clovis.show, The Perfect Paleo Podcast with Justin Nault. Thanks, everybody. Hope you learned a lot about soil and photosynthesis and fruit and vegans and stuff. Love you. Good night.